Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call. Get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Uh, there's nobody I'd rather have on in the world right now than Craig Breslow. And I know I say that a lot. I mean, not the Craig Breslow part. I say that about all our guests, Craig. But honestly, I, I this this I mean it sincerely. Thank you so much. Um, you've been on different iterations of my podcast before, but never this one. With most, this is the most powerful, the most far-reaching, and maybe the most important time you've ever appeared on a, any podcast in your life. So, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, no, I, uh, I'm glad we're able to find some time and, uh, yeah, excited to be here. All right. Craig, I put on Twitter and I said, you know, we have Craig Breslow on the podcast. I'm a man of the people. Any questions? And I got like 200 of them. I'm not going to get to 200 of them, but I, I want to be the voice of the people to, to a certain degree. But so there's going to be a lot of tough questions. And I know that, you know, you're, this is part of the deal and you're part of the job and you're a good you're a smart guy. We've known each other for a long time, and we can be honest with each other as much as honest as we can be. So I'll just start here. Since I'm going to ask you tough questions, I'm going to give the floor to you. Give me a tough question. I'll ask. To, I'll answer anything, anything, anything you want. <laughs> I was I was not prepared for this. Uh, can I know, we? Can I should have. I should have. I should have prepped you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I guess maybe the the tough question is who who has been uh, the, the best guest on your podcast to date. Joe Kelly. Without hesitation. Well, yeah, I mean, because he's like, I'm contractually obligated to say that. 
So because he 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 was the one that started the whole thing, the whole baseballs and boring thing. But you know, I think that if if we are if we're going to go off the contract, we have the great thing about this, Craig, is that we have a lot of different people from all over the baseball world. On you know, before it was really Red Sox centric, and obviously as as this is the case, it's Red Sox centric. But we've had a lot of great people, and um, but it always comes back to Pedroia, right? <laughs> yeah i could see that i could see that all right yeah. so that's it that's it that's yeah. all you got no I, I was actually just kind of thinking how in my time in the clubhouse with with dust like that was a podcast every single day oh can you imagine <laughs> can, can you imagine and i feel like like when social media got rolling he drew back a little bit in the public eye but if you had like 2006, 2007, 2008, Pedroia, yeah, be a little bit different. So yeah, yeah, he'd be un- unrivaled. Yeah, unrivaled. Well, speaking of unrivaled, this is you, your uh, your availability and your willingness to answer questions right now is going to be unrivaled. I'm going to get right to it. All right, you ready? Here we go. Here we go. Uh, Tom Werner said in uh, Sean McAdams' piece the other day, in the end, we don't have a line in terms of payroll that we look at as much as trusting that Craig is going to deliver on his assurance that we're going to be competitive. Um, so my my first question is, is what your thoughts on that when you hear that? And I guess an offshoot of that is, um, have has anything changed in terms of the parameters that you're dealing with since you took the job? I know we're coming out of the gate hot. I know with this, <laughs> this isn't like the I don't, but we're where we have a lot to get to and not a lot of time to do it. So what do you got? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think what is my reaction? Like we, we absolutely anticipate being competitive in 2024. I think we also recognize that it's really important, uh, to give our our young kind of emerging core a chance to take a step forward. Uh, I think we need to hold ourselves accountable to that. Um, you know, I know Tom has had a, a, ch- a chance to kind of speak to, to the statement that he made. And I think, um, you know, he's, he's kind of talked about how that statement, you know, maybe embodied uh, an aggressive pursuit uh, of, of improving kind of the long and short term outlook of, of the team, which is something that is is shared across all of Red Sox leadership. Uh, exactly how that manifests itself, um, you know, it could take a number of different pathways, but I think the most important thing to uh, to appreciate is we, we do expect our team to be competitive. We also have an exciting group of players that, you know, we believe we can build around and our goal is not to be competitive exclusively in 2024, but to be competitive for a really long time and to buy for World Series championships for a really long time. And that's going to take a combination of uh, growth from, you know, the, the players that we have that are currently under control. And it's also going to take external additions um, and it's going to take, impact power and star players uh alongside the development of uh the guys that i've talked about and um you know the development of of a pitching pipeline uh so you know i think it doesn't really change the direction that we're headed uh you know i knew kind of walking into this role um you know there's an expectation amongst fans that has been built up over a ton of success over the last 20 years. I get that. And I get that last place finishes are unacceptable. They're as unacceptable to me, to our front office, uh, to our coaching staff as, as they are to the fans. Um, and, and that's what's driving us every single day. 
So um, to come back to it, and you know, you you can answer what you can answer, but has the spending parameters changed at all since you took the job? You know, I I, I think like you know, kind of stopping short, obviously, of, of of speaking in in detail about spending parameters. Like what I will say is, you know, the execution of the strategy is what's driving, um, you know, kind of those those parameters, and and importantly, not the other way around. Um, you know, and I think there are there's evidence of of transactions that we've made this off season that that demonstrate that. Um, but again, the the balance that I have to strike in this position is the long and short term outlooks. And you know, we we believe that we're absolutely making progress toward uh, you know this this exciting core, a really dynamic, athletic group of players. Some of those guys have contributed to major league wins already. Um, some of them will. Uh, will contribute to major league wins in the future. And frankly, some of them are going to need to be added externally. So, you know, Craig, you know, I've said this to be perfectly honest with you. Like I look back at, you know, when you were playing with the Red Sox and I know everything's changed. I know that we can't, it's not apples to apples. Um, But with the Red Sox in this market had always been, if there was a player that was identified for better or for worse, sometimes it didn't work out. If there was a player that was identified that you really liked and you got into that, that competition for that player, almost not always, but almost always we're going to win that battle. It was going to find a way. And I, I know this because I kept referencing Mark DeShera, you know, back in, you know, whenever that was. Um, so is is this an industry thing that's changed? Is this like tell you got to tell me like how this has changed? Where where it, it used to be we really and it's not just everybody right. You can have interesting guys, but if you really like a guy and you're a Boston Red Sox, you're the Boston Red Sox. How has this changed in terms of the approach? We we'll say we are going to get that guy, um, and it might get a little uncomfortable. I don't know. It might get a little. How has that changed? Just give me some insight with that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what I would say is there's, you know, obviously, you know, we we it, signing kind of like the, you know, impact free agent has not come together thus far, right? Um, and, and there are a number of factors that go in, into that, some within our control, some beyond our, our control. Um, you know, what is true is that we haven't lined up on, on you know, that kind of impact free agent. Uh, obviously, we brought in Giolito. We're really excited about that. Um, um, but, you know, to, to date. Um, but I think the most important thing to, to say is that, you know, that's not going to be necessarily predictive of behavior going forward. Like I was on teams that had star players that had impact players uh, that, you know, that made a difference as it related to wins and losses during the course of the season. And, you know, we're going to be active in those markets, um, you know, but I do also think there's a timing component and, uh, you know, there's kind of the time to, to, you know, pursue those types of players as aggressively or, you know, as you said, kind of getting uncomfortable as, as, as one is willing to do. Um, and there's a time where it's probably not the most, the most prudent path. And, you know, I think in order to make those decisions, we have to balance kind of where we are, where our core is, um, you know, the right ways to supplement it. And, uh, you know, it, the, the, the timing didn't work in our favor, you know, kind of thus far. But again, I think it's worth reiterating that, um, you know, I wouldn't say that this is predictive or indicative of how we intend to, uh, to, to operate going forward. You know, I think that's a great answer. And, and, you know, like reading, I think that it's this, listen, reading between the lines, it's, hey, if you really want a guy, 
like you said, it's not, this isn't a perfect example of it. Uh, and I've said this, Craig, I said, listen, it's, it's been a few months. I get this. It's been a few months. So maybe that guy appears and you go get him. That's it. Maybe the guy right now that we're talking about, we want the big guys, but maybe it's not the perfect fit. I don't know how you are prioritizing guys. Um, and and another part is like we had Brandon Gomes on the Dodgers GM the other day, and he said he said, "Hey, listen, you know why is everything held up?" And he said, "Well, maybe it's because there's trade possibilities that teams are balancing with signing free agents." And I kind of immediately thought of you guys, like, is would that be would that be a fair sort of um, I don't know, assumption is the right word, but. Uh, is that the what the world that you're living in right now, where there's trade opportunities, and then you have the the opportunity potentially go after free agency, and you ha- you're you're in the midst of balancing those two? Well, I think yeah, that this is a it, it, it is all a balancing act, um, and you know I've I've repeated probably to the to the point that I, I can appreciate people are tired of hearing you know our uh, kind of aggressive pursuit down all pathways to improve the team, um, you know, and I think. As I've gotten to learn our organization, um, understand, you know, kind of the the players that we're really excited about building around at the big league level and, you know, this kind of next wave of, of prospects, um, you know, I've recognized the importance of uh, not 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 being short sighted, um, you know, around trade opportunities and ensuring that, uh, you know, while I'm comfortable making difficult, bold decisions, I also need to make responsible decisions that, you know, kind of impact us in the longer term. Uh, you know, I don't think at this point it makes sense to sacrifice future wins in favor of, of wins in 2024 exclusively. Obviously, what we're looking to do is achieve both. Um, but, you know, there will be a timeline um, and, and, and a moment where it does make sense to, to sacrifice long term wins for for the short term. I don't think we're living in that moment right now. So you don't think so? Again, I think that that's part of the problem, Craig. Is that honest? I'm going to be honest with you. Is that there was this turnover in front office, and it was like, okay, here we go. And you know, you know, full throttle. We we've gone through that. But that's the thing. Like you just said, it's like I don't know if, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I don't know if we're at the exact place that we're going to be a year from now, uh, uh, two years from now, in terms of absolutely going for it. Am I overstating that or? Am I on onto something? Well, I mean, I think if if I'm doing my job well, if if you know, kind of our baseball operation is doing our job well, as our you know, as our young players mature, as we become more aggressive in in pursuing you know impact talent uh, via free agency or trade, we we shouldn't be, we can't be in the same place a year from now or two years from now that we are right now. Um, I think that would that would represent failure. Um, you know, and I think it's really important that I invite fans to, to hold us accountable to that statement, right? Like we need to demonstrate progress. Finishing in, in last place is unacceptable here. It was unacceptable when I was here as a player. Uh, and, and we need to do everything we can to, to get out of that. But we also need to do that with an eye on, you know, kind of success that, that comes with consistency. You had said in press conference, you don't mind being uncomfortable. And I've all, that's been a, a thing that I've been harping on and said, listen, I don't think a lot of executives understand that you have, you get into free agency, you have to be uncomfortable. You get into trades, you have to be uncomfortable. You can't win every trade by 70%, 80%. Sometimes you win it by 1%. Maybe you lose it by 1%, but you mm-hmm. identify the guys you want. 
And I believe you, like where you said that, knowing you and, and has it been, I guess the question I have going through it now, has free agency and the trade market been more uncomfortable than you anticipated? You you know, we Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's it's uncomfortable. There's no there's no question about it. I mean, anytime you have to give something up, uh it's really uncomfortable. Um but you know, I think there's a there's a line between uh being uncomfortable and being irresponsible that we're not looking to cross but look like if you look at the transactions that we've made like to differing degrees they were uncomfortable when you trade a, a starting pitcher a you know a starting pitcher with you know kind of all-star caliber uh you know talents like that's uncomfortable but i i felt like it was the best move for the organization, um, you know, it, it addressed an, an area of need in, in 2024 for us. But again, it also impacted our, our you know, kind of wins in 25 and 26 and, and beyond. And, uh, you know, I think the necessary discomfort of, you know, potentially making that move is outweighed by the net benefit on the organization. And, um, you know, I, I meant it when I said that, uh, you know, I understand that many of the decisions that I'll have to make will be uncomfortable. And, and that can't, paralyze me from making them. So we, we go back to identifying the guys, the right guys. And, and I hear what you're saying. Like, maybe like we, we want everybody, everybody wants everybody. That's how it works. <laughs> right. You go down the free agency list. This is how it works. We want the Red Sox to be interested in everybody, but you're valuing certain guys more than other guys. And you are probably even looking at next year and say, Hey, we value that guy more. Um, but the guy that, I'll come back to Tom Warner's comments. The guy that is on the record saying that they valued um, paraphrasing above all, or at least at, at the top of the list was Yamamoto. Do you feel like you were among the finalists for Yamamoto? Yeah. I mean, I think that we were competitive. I think that we put our, our best foot forward. I think we, you know, kind of by, by all accounts, we made a, a positive impression in terms of what we could offer um you know uh we've got a a japanese infrastructure here that i think has eased the transition for a number of players um you know over the last 20 years or so there are a number of uh japanese players who have come over and had success uh and, and have made that transition as as smoothly and and, and quickly as one can hope um Ultimately, it, it obviously didn't come together, and some of that is potentially within our control. Some of it isn't, right? Like we, you know, we 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 can only influence the pre the preferences of of others so much. Um, you know, I'm I'm proud of the the way that our group came together to uh, you know to to demonstrate what we have to offer in Boston. Ultimately, it didn't work out. Um, but you know, as you kind of just generally think about a player who, you know, is, is kind of in the prime of his career and should contribute over a meaningful period of time. That's the the right type of player that I, I would argue we should be, be targeting. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely don't want to gloss over, um, you know, kind of the, the, the disappointment or frustration that, that fans feel, um, you know, in hearing about this or reading about this and, and we do as well, uh, you know, in, in, in the office, like, um, you know, I am as competitive in this position as I was as a player, um, you know, and, and I think that means that I and, and others around me are, uh, you know, trying to uncover every opportunity. Um, you know, we just have to, like I said, make sure that we're balancing uh, the, the, the building around uh, an emerging core of players with the short term impact.
and I know that I listen. I know, I know you. I know you're competitive. I know this. You're like, you know, this is there's a reason why you should have won American League Championship Series MVP. So it's so I, I get it, right? So I'm but there. I'm pumping you up now. Um, but I, I'll just come back to it honestly. So all right, we know you guys put you guys did all this stuff for Yamamoto. You you, you feel like you put your best foot forward. I'll come back to sort of what I was talking about before, where you know that it's there are some obstacles you're going to have. If he wants to go the Dodgers, he wants to go the Dodgers. But it comes back to do you do I do you just not feel like it's worth it to say this is where we're comfortable now? We like this guy so much. I'm gonna we're gonna go to levels that we never thought we would have to go to get really, really uncomfortable. Because it seemed, Craig, in this case, that was always gonna be the the dynamic where the Boston Red Sox, as much as you have going for you, would have to go to levels that you probably didn't foresee. Was that fair or not? Uh you know, I mean, I think the the honest answer is I don't really know. And and probably like pivoting away from you know, from from him and, and just kind of speaking more broadly, like, yes, there are always, you know, kind of levels of, of discomfort that, you know, you have to uh, consider in order to, to get a player, especially in order to get a, you know, a player via free agency or or a trade. Um, and we have to kind of figure out where do we cross over from discomfort, which I am. Uh, I accept is part of the job to, you know, irresponsible to the, to the, to the point of being, uh, you know, kind of detrimental to the outlook of the team. Right. And, and, and that's not a clear distinction. Um, you know, I have to use the tools that I have available and use my judgment and, and make those decisions. And they're really, really hard. Um, but, you know, there's going to be a moment in time where where these things are going to come together and we are going to bring in, you know, impact star power um, that's going to you know, complement this emerging core that, that we've been talking about. Um, and, and we are going to kind of be in, in our, our rightful place, uh, you know, atop the division and vying for World Series championships. You, you mentioned the emerging core, obviously good young players on the major league roster. Bayo, Cassis, and then you have the guys coming up who, you know, around town these days. Um, but one of the things that, you know, I also, I, you know, GM Rob Bradford that nobody cares about thinks it's important is when the good teams that I've seen always, you have that core, right? You have those young players, but you also have these other guys that are veterans, that are foundation guys that are guys that can pick up the slack while these other guys emerge. In other words, in a perfect world, you wouldn't say, hey, Brian Bayo, go be a number one starter. You would have a number one starter and say, hey, Brian Bayo, be a number three and evolve into a number one. All these guys, Meyer and Teal and Anthony, same sort of thing. It's like, yeah, it's great, but you've been on teams enough to know that you also need – you know, the guys to distract, say, we're the, we're the, we're the guys who are paid for certainty. And I know you have some guys who can be that endeavors and story, but how important is that? I mean, how important is that to find those guys, Greg? Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, I think it's really important to create, um, you know, kind of the best environment that we can in the major leagues for those players to develop and, and develop oftentimes means 
play and get reps and improve and make mistakes and struggle and ultimately, uh, you know, kind of endure and thrive and be uh, really successful, right? Um, and there are a number of ways that we can create that environment, to your point, um, you know, the kind of veteran leadership that can ease some of the pressure on, on the younger guys and, and ease some of the expectations is certainly one way. And I do think, you know, we shouldn't discredit um, the impact that having, you know, Trevor for a full healthy season will have, um, you know, the the, the versatility and, and veteran kind of leadership and presences that we have in the bullpen. Um you know, what, what Giolito and, and, you know, 175 innings in, in the rotation brings all of those things. Um, but also like we need to hold ourselves accountable to creating that environment. We hold our, we need to hold our coaches accountable to creating that environment. And we've, we've taken material steps toward that. Um, you know, and so again, my, my expectation is that we are creating that environment, but, um, you know, that doesn't mean that we're going to, to, to stop pursuing those types of, uh, of, of players that can be conducive to the younger group taking a step forward. So what do you need? Like, what do you need right now? You, 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 you've made some additions, mm -hmm. you know, and I've said it's still a month to go to spring yeah. training. So, yeah. So, I mean, we're still, you know, kind of actively engaged in conversations around adding pitching, um, you know, in, in balancing out the, the lineup a little bit with, with a right-handed bat, um, you know, particularly one that, that has some positional versatility, I think would be helpful. Um, you know, I mean, I think those are probably the two priorities. It's impossible to kind of forecast exactly, you know, what does or doesn't come together. Um, but you know, that the, the conversations are, are ongoing. Um, you know, we, we feel good about the competition that we'll have, you know, I think there's a number of, of, Pitchers that will be, uh, you know, vying for prominent roles who have who have shown that they have the ability to to be major league quality pitchers and get get you know major league hitters out pretty consistently. I think we need to identify what those roles are and and how we can position those guys to be as successful as possible. Um, but you know, yeah, the the, the offseason is is incomplete, um, and, and we'll continue to work really, really hard uh, to to put together as competitive a team as we can in twenty four. Um, I would also just add that you know, at, at at this point, it doesn't make a ton of sense to to sacrifice future wins in front of in in favor of the the shorter term outlook. Okay, perfect world. You say pitching. Do you still think that there's a possibility that you can get a a perceived top of the rotation guy? Like I mentioned, ideally, and I know Giolito's like he's been that guy in the past, but is there still a chance or is there still a, a motivation to get that top of the rotation guy that can slot in to the one or the two? I mean, there, there is a world in which that makes, yeah, in which that, that works. Um, you know, again, like I, you know, I've tried to kind of lay out as clearly as, as I possibly can, um, you know, how that, how that makes sense for us, uh, and, and how it doesn't, um, and, you know, what, what exactly materializes or what exactly that, that looks like, looks like, I think we're, you know, it's to be determined, um, but it's not stopping us from engaging in those conversations and recognizing that we have, we have a lot of young, talented players, particularly on the position player side. And there are teams that have interest in those guys, uh, but, you know, it needs to, it needs to make sense. Um, you know, I kind of, we'll keep coming back to this idea of like being uncomfortable, discomfort is one thing. Um, you know, kind of being being foolish or irresponsible is is a different thing. All right. Winter weekend might be a little bit different than last year for you. 
<laughs> I, I, I understand. And, and, you know, I, I, I do mean this um, as, as sincerely and, and authentically as, as I can say it, which, which is like finishing in last place for the Boston Red Sox is not acceptable. And it's, it's not something that we in the office take lightly or accept in the same way that we know our fans don't. And we are, we are working tirelessly uh, toward in, improving our outlook. And my hope is that, you know, this, this kind of level of, uh, of, of transparency and, and authenticity is, is important and meaningful. Um, and it doesn't change kind of, you know, what has happened. Uh, but I do believe that we are, you know, kind of, we're we we've got really exciting players um that are going to be athletic and dynamic and fun to watch and they're going to to be cornerstones of you know our our next great team and i also know that we're going to need to add to this group as well do you see the movie old school yes do you feel like will ferrell at the debate right now And I hope not. <laughs> no, no, that's how I feel. I feel like we we just listen. I, I, you know, man, we've known each other, and and I like talking to you. And I and this is just felt like just like a a half hour of cannon fire, but uh, and I just blacked out. So, but now, <laughs> so no, no, you were excellent. You know, I do I do appreciate you coming on. And I do appreciate you you doing all this stuff, and I do look forward to just having conversations about the great game of baseball too so great thank you rob no I, i appreciate it thank you hey rob bradford here you guys know i'm always up for a good mvp story and one of the best stories is wasabi technology wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams including 20 major league baseball teams like the red Sox and nhl teams like the bruins and vancouver canucks even the liverpool football club is getting in on the wasabi action so why is wasabi the mvp well wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.